On today's show, Cleveland took care of business against Atlanta, but they won't advance to Vegas for more of the in-season tournament. We'll talk all about the win and the in-season tournament on today's Locked on Cavs. You are Locked on Cavs, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast. I'm Chris Manning. That man is Evan Damerol. We are the Locked On Cavs podcast coming to you five days a week on YouTube. Wherever you get your podcast, please subscribe, rate, review, five-star reviews only. Do us a solid. Hit the notification bell on YouTube. All about Cavs Hawks today. Evan, Cavs beat Atlanta. They win 128-105. to 105. A win that gave Cleveland a hope for a moment of getting further in the in-season tournament. But not on point differential, and due to the fact that Indiana has already won their group, they will not advance. So we'll get some other games on the schedule next week. But Evan, to me, the big takeaway from this game is a really good Cavs win. I think aside from the disappointment to them, and we'll talk in segment three about the in-season tournament a little more now that for Cleveland it's done. I think this is a very good, resilient Cavs win, a second resilient win in a row. Yeah, second resilient win in a row is a good way to look at it. I think they've won seven of their last 10 games overall, too, which is pretty encouraging just considering how uh, our that Lakers loss was for Cleveland just for the better part of that game. But um, for me, at least, like this was a good game for Donovan Mitchell to kind of get his feet wet again and kind of get comfortable. I think Evan Mobley is phenomenal in this game, Was almost had a triple-double with mm-hmm. uh, points, rebounds, and blocks. Um and just and to be quite honest, like you saw Mobley, Garland, and Mitchell all step up in so many different ways that I asked JP Bickerstaff about this pregame, like 20 games or so in, he'll evaluate on what is or isn't working. And I asked him, like, well, how does he think the offense looks since we are getting kind of close to that 20 game mark? And he said that it looks a lot better than it was maybe a few games ago. Uh, we're seeing a lot of ball movement, we're seeing a lot of passing. I think we just saw more of that. I think you saw the role players take advantage of that, whether it's Max Struess or even like Jared Allen had a great night too. Um, and this was kind of a total team effort for Cleveland. And um, there was a time where they were down like a 12 or 14 points to Atlanta and Cavs kind of roared back from that point and never really relented. And uh, like Ed, you had mentioned, like the, the end season run is over, but the Cavs did keep their starters in for pretty much close to the end of the game just because they're trying to uh, Donovan Mitchell share post game, have that 20 point lead or win over Atlanta to kind of help their odds in the point differential contest. And yeah, we'll talk more about the uh, our thoughts on the tournament overall uh, in the third segment. I'm sure we can talk about it more over the coming days, too. But um yeah, this is this was an encouraging win for Cleveland. I think more than anything, like really sh- kind of showed me like. Yeah, there is, like, we talked about how, like, good they looked going downhill when it was just Darius Garland running the show. This is, at least for me, like, an example of the Cavs finding a way to make an ecosystem where all three stars shine in individual ways, but it all leads to just, like, a amalgamation of, like, two-way dominance from everybody on the roster. Yeah, I think overall this was a pretty complete cast performance. I think, for one, you had... Small ball stuff working for them when they go mobile at the five. Levert is in instead of Allen. That lineup played a little more than it normally has and looked good 
in this game. Uh, I mean, Donovan Mitchell had 40. He had 40 on 14-25 shooting. Didn't was 3 of 11 from 3, but 9 and 9 from the line. Had a season-high 11 rebounds as well to go with 5 assists. So a good all-around game for him as well. Um, and we'll get to him in awards in a big way, for me at least. But I thought Darius Garland was essential in this game. You know, he had 19 and 8. You're not going to look at this and say this was the best box score performance for Darius Garland by any means. But I thought the way he played on in, on both ends of the floor against Trey Young really set the tone. And if you just look at this game and you look at how they played defensively, you look what they did here to get a win and beat a team that they're probably going to compete against in the standings in the East this season, Evan, I think that is a positive. Even if in, in postgame they were disappointed about not advancing and and I think would have liked to get to Vegas and play for that, play for the NBA Cup. But I think in the grand scope of an 82-game season, this is a good win. This is a, a good performance. This should give some confidence for Cleveland, I think, as they look ahead Thursday to, to Portland and, and the rest of what's to come here. Yeah, I agree. Like, um, Just interested to see what the next steps, what the next phases are for this team, I think. It, it does give the Cavs the benefit that the schedule is getting quite a bit lighter for the next few games. They play Portland, they play Detroit. Um, we don't know what next week's schedule looks like just because the Cavs are one of 22 teams that didn't qualify for the actual like knockout stage before heading to Vegas. Um, so we'll have a clearer idea of who they play next week. I have, it'll just be like maybe somebody they play later in the season, probably an Eastern conference team, if I'm willing to bet just because of travel and logistics and, They'll do like a home and home situation or they'll play like two different teams, one on one at home, one on the road. So we'll have a better idea what their schedule is next week. But there's a lot of good things that came out of this game after kind of looking lethargic against the Raptors in the first half and kind of putting it together in the second half, especially behind Max Struess. But you saw them kind of build more of that momentum that they needed uh, just to kind of feed off of after that win um, against the Raptors. And this is just putting them in a good spot where they have to go up against two bad teams and allows them just to kind of keep finding their groove and their comfort and familiarity, especially just within the confines of Rock and Mortgage Fieldhouse, a place where they have looked vulnerable at times this season. I, I think, too, in this game, I, I think resiliency is just another word I'm going to use. It's a word I'm going to use again. Toronto, they dug themselves a hole, and they got themselves out of it via resilient play, via grit, via a fight. This game was another game where they go down 10, and you could have just seen them maybe not have it. You could have seen them just maybe not have the, the the drive to get back in this one. But guess what? They did. They kept attacking. The defense got sharper. The defense got better. You got good minutes from most guys on the floor, be it Niang, be it Okoro, you know, be it Karis LeVert, who had 10 on four of it shooting off the bench. Starters play heavy minutes, of course. You know, all of them, except for Jared Allen, 30 and above. LeVert plays close to 30 as well. And then you're getting spot minutes from the other guys. But I think everyone came with effort. Everyone came with focus. Everyone came with something. And whether it was Mitchell's 40, whether it was Garland, whether it was Mobley, who's 17, 19, and 7. And <laughs> did some... I mean, like he had a... Uh, dominant. Dominant. Yeah. I mean, he. it's not going to be my play of the night, so I'm just going to shout out. Now, he had a block on Clint Capella in this game that uh, it might be the defensive play of the Cavs season where he just met Clint Capella like right at the rim and he was late and he got back and it kick-started a, a, a fast break for Cleveland. Like, Everyone in some way contributed to this win for the Cavs, and and I think the way things feel like they're trending to some degree, even if there's still, I think, some to figure out in, in what this team is big picture, I think this is the kind of win that makes you feel like things are trending towards something more positive than we've seen to date. 
No, absolutely. And I think like we'll talk about this when it comes to like stat of the nights and things like that. Um this wasn't a huge game for Max True scoring wise compared to um where he was at uh uh, like against um, Toronto the last game and like it was just an impressive win overall where the Cavs kind of like had to show resiliency like you said they did go down uh, quite a bit to Atlanta at one point where I'm thinking like oh well crap their uh, in-season tournament runs about to come to a close because things just aren't really going their way and the Hawks are playing in spite of Trey Young kind of being a non-factor on the floor and I think Cleveland did a good job I think uh, one, making Young uncomfortable, but also making sure Young didn't have the ability to get back into the game at any point either. So, regardless, like, yeah, this is a this is a good team, complete team win for the Cavs, and you, you cannot be feeling bad about this team after this game because they, they look strong. After maybe some shaky wins or just times where they just look completely lost out there in losses. Coming up after this, we're going to give out game awards. That's MVP, that is stat of the night, and that is play of the night. That's coming up right after this. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at eBay Motors. And right now, we're teaming up with eBay Motors with Locked On Fantasy Basketball host Josh Lloyd to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week, all season long. Whether you're prepping for a daily draft or scouting the waiver wire, every week we're going to provide you players that are guaranteed to fit on your roster. So this week, one pick that Josh has in his eBay's Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Picks of the Week is Gordon Hayward. Gordon Hayward, if he's dropped in your league, maybe available via trade, he is someone that Josh argues you should go out and get because LaMelo Ball is going to be out a, a lot of time here with an ankle injury, and I like this pick. Uh, there is another. There are other options. You can go Sadiq Bay is another name Josh had on there that is filling in for someone with injury. But I like the Hayward pick. They need someone to score the basketball. They need someone to play and eat up minutes and lead the offense. Hayward, if he's healthy himself, is going to be that guy. So Josh Lloyd from Lockdown Fantasy Basketball is going to help you win your fantasy championship. And eBay Motors knows a championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. Perfect fit. And that is the same with your vehicle. For me, that's my four Broncos sport. I have a bookmark on my eBay account with all the parts, all the accessories I might need for that car because that is my favorite thing in the world. I want to keep it for as long as I can. And eBay Motors is a great way to make sure I have access to the right parts. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof rack, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit... It's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. eBay guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers, eligible items only, exclusions. All right, let's go into game awards. Evan, uh, I think there are three candidates for MVP. As we go forward here, we're going to start doing these, throw, make some graphics out of them with their stat lines, maybe do some polls on our YouTube page. If you want to tap into that, please do so. I think the candidates are Garland, Mobley, and Mitchell. I went Darius Garland. Who did you go with? I went with Evan Mobley just because he, again, had a, almost a freaking triple-double um, with points, rebounds, and blocks. He's just This is one of those games where you're like, oh, okay, this is this is the moment where he is stepping up as that star that the Cavs maybe need most nights if like one of Mitchell or Garland doesn't have it going where you know this is a case where all three had it going but 
Mobley hit his second three-pointer of the season, but like him just kind of flaring out from the perimeter and just like hitting that shot or the fact that like he's hitting jump shots more often is super encouraging. And then like defensively, he's looking more and more comfortable playing the five, which gives the Cavs a lot more roster fluidity and flexibility where they can have, of course, Mobley Allen minutes, but also like non-Allen minutes and with Mobley just holding down the four to the five, whereas like the beginning of the season, he looked strong, but like wasn't more complete. Whereas in this game, like took advantage of Atlanta's lack of size and just really punished them for it. I think for me, it's it's Garland because I thought he dictated the flow of the game a lot of ways. I think Mitchell's like the easy answer because he had forty and like just say he scored forty and was particularly great in the second half and made a ton of big shots and and was the scoring leader. Like I think you could just go that and say twenty three in the second half and did a lot of great work. But for me, it's, it, I, I think Garland was a great two-way player in this game. I think, number one, he defended Trey Young in this game. Trey Young is a problem matchup for anyone. He is someone that, even, on, even in this game where he didn't have a great game, not to his standards, he still had plays where you're like, that guy is doing something unbelievable. But he finished with 13 points and 3 of 14 shooting. He had 10 assists. Two of eight from three. A quiet night by Trey Young standards. And with, with Isaac Okoro in the way, on the bench and the way the Cavs have their structure, their starting lineup, the Cavs didn't do any funky cross-matching and say, hey, Darius or, or Donovan, you're going to hide on, on a wing. There's not really a great option for that in theory here. So Darius just defends Trey Young straight up. And I think his effort, I think his focus, I think the intensity, and I think the, obviously it helps to have Jared Allen and Evan Mobley behind you. But I think that, plus the way he played on offense, to me, this was a really great Darius Garland game, even if the box score is not going to tell you that it was. I mean, if you're going to be a box score naysayer about Darius Garland, you have to watch the game and get the full context of like how impactful he's been on a nightly basis for Cleveland, because it is night and day with how much better this offense looks when Garland is out there and able to be like the, the, the two-way threat that we know he is possible or capable of being, rather. And... um more than that, just like the, the offense just flows so much differently when he's on the floor and he just kind of has his finger on the pulse and understanding the cadence of things. So, yeah, I think this is a great MVP pick on your part. He's just that guy's a darn good basketball He's that player. dude. He's good. All right, uh, let's go to play of the night. Evan, for me, 544 left in the second quarter. Mitchell got an and one, and the balance was just unreal, and it got the game down to five. This was part of them building some momentum going into halftime. There's a bunch of other plays you could pick, but to me, it's just like Donovan Mitchell scoring the basketball remains incredibly fun to watch. What's your play of the night? Uh, my play of the night, I think it's specifically here, so make sure I get it right. Oh, it's just the fact that Darius Garland pulled up towards the end of the third quarter from the, like almost the D in the land, so not like quite at the three-point line, not quite at the half court, but like that sweet spot in between. Pulled up with confidence and just ripped a three-pointer and like sunk it. And like first off, thought of Carter Rodriguez uh, sitting there smiling like a proud dad because he advocated for Garland to take more threes. But I agree, like this is a night where Garland maybe felt more comfortable within the flow of the office to be offense, excuse me, to be a little bit more selfish from the perimeter and kind of just be a little bit lethal from out there because he was getting some pretty clean looks from Atlanta from the perimeter. And like, whereas in other nights, maybe you see Garland pass the ball or he's trying to get other teammates involved. But no, like sometimes Darius kind of having a bit of that selfish edge, selfish edge is nice because clearly he does have the ability to rip and hit a three pointer whenever he feels like it's not Steph like, but geez Louise, like he's really freaking good at it. And I know that's a hot take. Yeah, he's good. All right. Uh, stat of the night for me, 
Atlanta, offensive rating of 100. That's bad. That's like significantly below league average, like 13, 14 points below league average. They came into this game, Evan, with the third best offense in the league, scoring 121.2 per game, significantly above league average. The only teams better, Philly and Indiana. The Cavs defense, however you want to spin it, elite in this game. That is the recipe for this team's success. And for them to do that against an Atlanta team that has lead offense that we've seen put up points in bunches, mm-hmm. that that's just a great Cavs defensive performance, and they deserve a ton of credit for that. What's your stat? My stat of the night is that Max Struess assisted on 18 points, which kind of counterbalances him not being as impactful scoring-wise like he was against Toronto, where they needed quite literally all 20 of his third-quarter points uh, to get them back into the game. But um, yeah, this was just like Struess kind of showcasing again that he is a very complete basketball player, and he's very willing and competent in making the right plays and getting dudes involved, whether... Uh, it's like Donovan Mitchell like was the biggest benefactor, I think, from his passing where Evan Mobley, like that two-man game between Mobley and Struce has been a lot of fun to watch. And yeah, he was impactful even if his shot wasn't falling. And I think that is certainly an underrated attribute of Struce's game where like he isn't a total liability out there, completely useless to you. Um his threes just aren't falling for him. Last thing we'll say about this game as far as words go, Evan. I, I do think that it just it's worth noting again just how I think good Mitchell he, he definitely found his groove that he was kind of, he looked like, a, like he was still shaking off the rust from that hammy injury I don't think don't know if he's still 100% quite yet but like it, he this was encouraging at least just to say like yeah he's at least feeling a bit better yeah and I, and I think too if you look to the beginning of this game one of the things I had in my notes was the Atlanta was doing a good job of when he got into the lane making him kick out the ball instead of going up and as the game went on he just was able to beat the coverage Atlanta was throwing at him he was able to through footwork often but also just explosiveness also just beating his man a little bit more decisively he was able to get into these spots and get off the looks that he needed to and it was again like an all-around game for him. He had 40 11 and 5 did have six turnovers but I, I thought as the game went on, he had a better grasp of what Atlanta was throwing at him defensively, and that's how you get to, to 40 points. That's just how you do it. Yeah, absolutely. Do you think it was at any point like, you know what, I'm going to kind of show out because it's my former NBA coach I'm going up against, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think they have – I think those guys they are have, always going to have a bond. Like, there's a bond yeah, there. They have know? a good relationship. I'm not saying there's anything volatile between him and Quinn Snyder, but like yeah. – like hey uh like i'm just gonna i'm gonna show out because this is my former guy and i gotta remind him what he's missing out on i think more than that and this kind of is a good segue to segment three for me i think i think the in-season tournament felt like a real thing when he got here and i think you saw it late with the urgency to just try to maximize lead as best they could i think we can talk about the the weirdness of that to some degree right but i think I think as much maybe there is a Quinn Snyder component of it, but I think more than that, I do think that there was motivation with the in-season tournament. I do think, like ultimately, to me, that was the big question about it: was were the best players in the league going to care? And I think ultimately, guys like Mitchell did care about it in a way that that got them to to put for, put themselves in the line in that way. So, coming up next, final thoughts on the in-season tournament. Now that Cleveland's journey is done. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. FanDuel is the official sports book of Locked On and America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get 150 
$100 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. $150 if your team wins. If you're thinking about joining FanDuel, there's never been a better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. They have a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So right now, FanDuel.com slash LockedOn is your place to go to get our great offer. Again, that's new customers getting $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line debt. FanDuel, official sportsbook of LockedOn, and the official partner of the NFL. So, and I think ultimately for me, I'm just all the way down the in-season tournament. The part of it that I found, I find the most interesting to kind of decipher is something that Mitchell talked about post-game, which was that you're normally when you get to a point where there's five minutes left and the game's basically decided and ultimately Atlanta pulls its best players and the Cavs are keeping the small ball lineup that really worked for them in this game and kept that out there. What ends up happening is there's this weird feeling and you're just like, okay, hopefully no one gets hurt. Hopefully like nothing goes wrong here, but it, it's such a different feel, but that you could feel the stakes and you could feel the crowd at the end of this game getting really like amps kind of like, I don't think anyone knew the exact number they needed because it was a little crazy. The Cavs were tracking it, I guess, and they had like a rough target in mind, but it was kind of impossible to track that in real time, I would guess, unless you just like have like a computer generating that for you. It's. I am just in on what this ultimately felt like. I think year two, it's gonna be everyone's gonna know what more to expect. But I think year one, ultimately, I I quite liked it, and it, it seems to me, based on what JB said pregame and and what the players said after the game, and just the overall vibe, it seems like the people in the league, the stakeholders that are playing and coaching these games, feel the same way, which is is a big success to me. Yeah, it's a huge success overall, just from that aspect. I think, like you said, pregame, JB and the guys, I got a pretty message that they were going to go out and try and win this game win by considerable margin they knew they had to win also needed a lot of things to kind of fall their way it went it was a moot point um as soon as new york blew out uh charlotte with like by like 30 points almost just because of the point differential but like i was a little surprised like when jv was asked about it because jason tatum was on the record saying like hey we're noticing guys like are really trying to run up the scoreboard quite a bit because they are trying to uh do the point differential thing like that's just kind of like breaking the unspoken rules of basketball and i was kind of surprised to hear baker staff say like yeah you are breaking the rules but that's okay because like the rules are kind of changing considerably in this new format that they're trying to learn and i think it's fun i think it's exciting i will admit i was wrong just in the fact that i didn't enjoy it but like jv also said like for the fan aspect like you of course are going to be focused on the Cavs against the hawks tonight but people are going to be keeping tabs on uh, the Hornets and the Knicks, uh, they're probably flipping between the Cavs game and the Bucks and the Heat game because like all of these games ultimately ended up mattering. And for me, like walking away from this, it is a bit of a bummer to see so many teams go three and one in the group stage format. And I agree with Bickerstaff. Maybe you expand it a little bit, maybe make it like six or eight games uh, just to kind of like diversify the field and also maybe make it a little bit more clear on who is or isn't a wild card. Maybe there's other formats to do it. Also, just maybe adding more wild cards to the bracket and expanding the field a little bit does make it a little bit more fun and a little bit more exciting. But this was a good test run for the NBA. I think everyone is excited to see the next steps. I think it's similar to like 
when the Elam format was introduced and everyone's like, well, I don't really know how it works. But then I remember like you, myself, Carter Rodriguez, Justin Rowan were like watching the actual all-star game. And like, like it's not similar to like what Mitchell said when you're maybe five minutes ago when you're up by a considerable margin, you start to take your foot off the gas. But like with like when it came to like the Elam ending, like when it, it was always a blowout in all-star, but like then the game actually kind of meant something. There was a lot of higher stakes because like these dudes are actually trying because like there's an opportunity for the other team to somehow win the game too. But it, it just, it, it's fun. It's exciting. I think the NBA going conservative with this route just to make sure like it was one warmly received by the fan base and then the player fan bases and the players and i think the media as well like was the right move and now they can expand and grow upon it to make it more of like a fleshed out vision and product so that does become like a staple of the nba schedule every single season so let's end on this let's end on this one question jb talked maybe about the four game sample size isn't enough that you want to expand it more I think there are some logistical issues, and we, we could see where that ends up, I guess. This, this would be my concern. To, to, if I have one concern about that and one concern about this, if this is modeled after soccer, and European soccer specifically, there is an issue where the best teams in the world and the best players in the world are often playing an insane amount of games that is, it's ultimately hard on their bodies in a way that is for money, and I get that that's what the money is for, to quote Don Draper, but... I am. I would be a little. I. I don't know. I don't think expanding the season in some way to like cram in more games would really be something I am necessarily for. Absolutely but, not. But like, I don't think it's that. But I. But like it. That if that's something that we're like, oh, we want to make this eight games. What. What is the ripple effect of that? Right. Like that to me would be a challenge. Right. So that that's part of that. But it's like again, like when Amazon or Netflix or. A, another broadcast partner comes in and throws the money at them and maybe that's like what happens but a little concerned at times that that to me is like the one thing is you, I think you have to keep this very contained to keep the rest of the schedule kind of intact but I the more you can make it a thing to some degree I'm also really for that so I'm, I'm a little torn yeah. ultimately I understand where you're torn because like the actual NBA Cup game is technically game 83 for oh, those two teams thing, real quick Right, also, just call it the NBA Cup. <clears throat> it's a better name. I see. The thing is, like, I think that people need to kind of like start normalizing that phrase because I agree. Like, if they use the term NBA Cup from the get go, maybe it wouldn't be as confusing at times either. But um, yeah, uh, I, I I'm interested to see where this goes. I think again, this was a good like trial run for the NBA, and just like I think the fact that there's legitimate buy-in from coaches and players, like right away like did you see the clip of joe mazula explaining to um um the bulls like why they intentionally yeah. fouled andre drummond yep yep because I, like I, they, they had to have a certain point differential and margin so like they had to like let chicago get more yeah. opportunities yeah so they're like i'm like you know that, that that there's that gamesmanship to it like sure i'm sure the nba if they didn't like that would make that go away like that but that's that makes it fun because like there is some like actual live strategy happening in it and like also just they have been fun basketball games across the spectrum like one through third like okay the pistons have been pitiful in this and the wizards have as well but like one through 28 like there have been some very high stakes competitive basketball like the Kings Warriors game that's going on as recording this like Sacramento can still lose and win their group but they can only lose by yeah 
by so much. They have it has to be twelve points or less. Like if the Warriors win by thirteen points, they win the group. Like there is some fun factors to it. We're like the Kings keep like, oh well, we might lose this one, but we're gonna go down swinging so we don't have to see this group title win to the Warriors. And like there, there's some fun stuff with that. And like I think there's ways to expand and grow it. But I agree, like you don't want to overtax and you know compromise the most integral part of the product which are the players and player safety always comes first like i asked baker staff like do you like the courts and he's like yeah i do and i was kind of like surprised like he was so team everything because like max truces said that um indiana's and philly's courts were awful but indiana's there were worst there were at least two slips tonight and one of them gave the Cavs a turnover in garbage time like straight up uh i can't remember what what hawks part was but they slipped and it was straight up just be it was the court like that's yeah, probably got to get fixed for next year more than anything. And that's else. what he that's what he told me. He said like Dallas couldn't even use their court because of like issues with it. And more than that, like it's just you want to focus on player safety. And he's like everyone is slipping and sliding on those courts, probably because of the paint they used, or maybe if they had to rush it out too quickly. But like, yeah, that that's just an interesting thing. Like Bickerstaff again, like an NBA lifer, a guy who like is a very much a proponent of like bring like the old schoolness of basketball and like respecting it. Kind of being all for it, like, does it surprise me? But, like, it does make sense, too. We're going to end there. I'm Chris Manning. That is Evan Damrell. Thanks again to Jake Stevens, as always, back at you on Thursday with more Locked On Cavs. We'll get you ready for Cavs Blazers. Talk about some small ball stuff. Talk about all things 